Welcome to Open Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. Like Tim said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. Before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have, who you just heard from, Tim Bowen, our technician, who'll be taking your calls and pushing the buttons. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. And recording our show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. No problem. If right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. It's kind of fun to see what goes on behind the scenes. I didn't do anything extremely strange before we went on today. I'm kind of disappointed. But it's still fun to see that we are gender neutral. We are gender diverse. There's a lot of us in this room. It's kind of fun to see it on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. This show... Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy began with Entrepreneurs in Mind, a platform for me, a small business owner and a guest, to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. As with all new endeavors, it's had some unexpected outcomes like the show is not just for entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but for everyone. We are all inspired by everyday people's American-made stories of how they worked hard, took risks, and found their voice. Another is that business is creative more so than really I ever thought. You think of restaurants as being creative, but there is creativity in all of business. And last, behind each of my successful guests is the heart of a teacher. My guest, entrepreneur and local legend, Chef Mark Abernathy, has been teaching Arkansans how to eat exotically for four decades. Today, we are going to hear all the trials and tribulations of opening not just one, but six different successful restaurants in the greater Little Rock, Arkansas area. I think it's six. It may be more. Four. No, five. Five. We're going to count them here in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll learn how some of the city's amenities that you may take for granted are because of Mark's vision and hard work, like alcohol on Sunday. Uh, Yeah. The Central High School Museum and even more. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be asking yourself, what's this lady's story, and why does she have a radio show? Well, Tim is here to tell you. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie McCoy founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, her business has grown and changed dramatically, from door-to-door sales, to telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales, and now Flag and Banner relies heavily on the internet including our newest feature, live chatting. Each decade required a change in sales strategy and procedures. Her business and leadership knowledge grew with time and experience, as well as the confidence to branch out into multimedia marketing that began with our nonprofit, Dreamland Ballroom, as well as our in-house publication, Brave Magazine, and this very radio show you're listening to now. Each week on this show, you will hear candid conversations between her and our guests, about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics we hope you'll find interesting. Carrie says that many business rules like treat your employees well, know your profit margin, and have a succession plan can be applied across most industries. What I find encouraging is her example that hard work pays off. Did you know that for nine years while starting Flag and Banner, she supplemented her income with many part-time jobs? And that just shows that her persistence, perseverance, and patience prevailed. 
Today, Flag and Banner has 10 departments, and I have over 25 coworkers. It reminds us all that small businesses are the fuel of our country's economic engine and that they empower people's lives. If you would like to ask Carrie a question or share your experience or story, you can send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. Well, thank you, Tim. My guest today is the well-known chef, Mark Abernathy. In his 40-plus years as an entrepreneur in the restaurant business, he has opened, all right, we're counting them, Abernathy's, The Bayou, Juanita's, Blue Mesa Grill, Benavita, Red Door, and Loco Luna. That's seven. That's seven. Two of those were in San Antonio. Oh, I wondered, like Abernathy's was? And the Bijou, yeah. As with all entrepreneurs, he is an idea man, which is a double-edged sword. I read a quote where he once said and warned other thinkers to beware of believing your own bullshit. Amen. That's pretty profound. Some of his ideas that paid off and gave him the distinction of having many firsts are, Mark introduced the first white cheese dip to America. I'm saying America at his restaurant, Blue Mesa Grill. He served Arkansas's first fajita dish, introduced the, the herb cilantro to Arkansas, which is where I had it at Juanita's, and had the state's first wood-fired brick oven pizza. Abernathy has produced or hosted over 450 televised cooking demonstrations and been recognized by the New York Times, Bon Appetit, Southern Living, Gourmet Magazine, Rachel Ray's Tasty Travels, The Washington Post, Food Arts, and many other notable publications. In 2016, Mark was listed as one of the most influential chefs in the United States. In addition, he is a musician and songwriter, an Eagle Scout, a former Boy Scout <laughs> executive director, and offers his expertise to numerous charity organizations which are far too long to get to list again the heart of a teacher it is a pleasure to welcome to the table my longtime friend creative entrepreneur and chef extraordinaire mark abernathy what a visionary everybody in the room is going you're the reason we have alcohol on sunday thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was funny bill rector and i chared that campaign and uh Everybody told I, I Juanita's hadn't been open that long, and uh, everybody told me, "Oh, this is suicide. The the Baptists won't ever come in your restaurant again. You're going to lose." It was a it was one of the biggest landslide votes ever held in the city of Little Rock. It was over eighty six percent voted for it, and uh, so we were astounded. And uh, wow, how'd you how how hard was it to get her on the ballot? It was already on the ballot when they came, when they came to Bill and I to promote it and oh. push it. And and Bill was really active in and uh, growth of downtown and seeing that develop. And uh, um, and we had our we did our homework and we found out that actually Dry County's had more uh, deaths and alcohol related accidents than wet. Really? Yeah. Doing moonshine, I guess that's well. They were crazy. they had to drive to. Oh, they'd have drive to get it and then get back on the highways and drive home. Yeah, but anyway. Oh, interesting story. Uh, Mark, you're a visionary. Besides opening all those successful businesses I mentioned before, you are the idea man and founder behind Consolidated Arkansas Restaurant Industries, where you consolidated all the restaurants. You brought the Arkansas chapter of Share Our Strength, the national fundraiser for hunger relief. I love that one. You were the visionary that started the Central High School Museum. You promoted and started. That's what I'm most proud of, I'd say. 
you should be. Uh, South Main Improvement District. You chaired the campaign to have alcohol served on Sunday. We already said that. And this is one a lot of people don't realize, and I told my employees today, is that you saved my building, the Taborian Hall, from the wrecking ball, and that I actually bought it from you. That's true. Let's, let's, I want to share that because, I, 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 first of all, I'm a huge fan of yours, and you know that. No, we've, been, you. we've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a call uh, when I was, at, uh, I was chairman. At the time, I was president of the Quapaw Quarter Association, which is, was a you know, historic preservation. For downtown Little Rock. Downtown. And, and John... Uh, John King, he called me, and he said, uh, 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 you know, they're about to sell that the Flag and Banner building and, and, uh, or tear it down. But and, it wasn't the Flag and Banner building No, then. at the time, it was the old Taborian Hall. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, shoot, that's not – and this was like the day before the auction, and it was an SBA auction, and I went in, and I couldn't believe it. Nobody bid on it, so – uh, it was one of those, be careful what you wish for. So, <laughs> so, uh, and you, you know, most of the story. And so I bid a ridiculously low amount and I got the building for us like less than 2000 or something like that mm-hmm. because nobody else bid on it. And I said, Oh, this is great. And then the reality set in because with the building in order, I had to go before the city and, and give them all these assurances that I would insure it, that I would uh, put fences around it, that I would protect it. And that, and also, uh, I made them a promise that I would not sell it unless I found a buyer that I felt like was for real and would really take care of it and rehab it. And then you came along, and you were the perfect candidate and uh, – uh, so it, it worked out great. You were able to, we were able to save that building. When I tell people I bought the building for $20,000, because I bought it from you for 20000 yep, You yep. bought it for two. Yep. And when I say, well, he bought it for two, they're like, what? And I said, y'all don't know how bad it looked. I still lost money on the deal. I was going to say. I, the insurance alone, I think, was like, because, I mean, the building was begging to hurt somebody <laughs> you know you know the condition of <laughs> so the insurance companies i had to I had to beg them to insure it in the first place and i think the insurance alone was like about nine or ten thousand how many dollars. years did you have it i had it probably two two years, years? About, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah you probably did years. lose money on that deal uh so let's talk about your education i found it really really interesting bachelor's degree of science and business administration with an emphasis in banking and finance from the university of arkansas Fayetteville. here's what i think is interesting and that you attended the university of mexico for graduate studies in macroeconomics and spanish see it's si. on my coffee <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you said. In was that in Mexico or in New Mexico? It was in San Antonio. It was University of Mexico. They have a branch in San Antonio. And uh, when I went down there, I wanted I had already started some graduate work in economics, and I, so I wanted to continue that uh, and also I thought, well, what the heck? While I'm here, I'll take some Spanish. And uh that's that was wonderful. That's great. That was wonderful, learning how to speak Spanish. Is that how come all of your restaurants, or a lot of your restaurants, have this um, have this uh, Mexican cuisine? No, actually, that I, I came back, I was in the restaurant, I started with Friday's back in, when they first started, and then went to, was one of the original managers, T.J. Friday's, when we went, because the third one... With Buster's? United, no, this was before Buster's. Wow. The third Friday's in the United States was here in Little Rock, down at 3rd and Victory, where uh, uh, Cotham's, you know, and so... Uh, and they also served the first mixed drinks, by the way. And, really? Uh-huh. 
and as as a restaurant where you could actually walk in and buy a mixed drink. But anyway, so um, no wonder it was so popular. Yeah, so I started off there, and there were only three, and there were franchises. And this big group came, bought the franchise rights for Fridays. We went to Dallas and opened the Dallas Fridays, which became the prototype of all the Fridays everywhere, with the bar in the middle and all this stuff. And it was a monster success. So I got hooked. I was in the restaurant business, and I was having a ball. I mean, you can imagine I was young and making money and uh, having fun and drunk girls everywhere. Drunk girls everywhere we used to say there were there were three uh flight attendant schools in dallas at the time braniff southwest and american we used to say it was clubbing baby seals night you know oh my god that's just wrong i know it's clubbing baby seals that's wrong very very inappropriate these days yes you are the bottom line was that well they were they were just as bad as we were come on so they i mean it was a Fridays was a wide open free for all because that was back in the free love days. I was just about to say, my people wife, don't realize my wife that. is cringing right now. Sorry, no, Lynn. I am not because every, we have come a long way, baby. That was oh. women's lib. Was free love was everywhere. We were having the sexual revolution. It was awesome, and I couldn't be happier to see it happen. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, I I got hired by a group to go to San Antonio and do kind of a knockoff on Fridays. I fell in love with the Latin culture. I fell in love with real Mexican food because back then uh not saying that brownings and mexico chiquito wasn't good mexican food mm-hmm. but it was uh, what what we would call a sonoran style a southern california style of mexican food as opposed to tex-mex mm-hmm. and man i had that real tex-mex down there and it was like you know whew, the heavens parted mm-hmm. and i said this is the good stuff so anyway uh, were what, you already had you already been to college when oh, you, yeah, yeah. You'd already been to San Antonio. Yeah, I had a degree in banking finance, and but when I graduated from Fayetteville, I had hair halfway down my back and was, you know, I was a full-blown hippie. and You were in a rock and roll band, Oh, you? and I was a band and all that stuff. So I, I said, man, I'm not, this banking in Arkansas in 1972, I would not be hired. No, you wouldn't. So, and so I just kind of stumbled into the restaurant business, found that I loved it and mm-hmm. stayed with it. So anyway, uh, when it came time, after I had had been successful in Texas and San Antonio, my father was sick. I'd just gotten married. I wanted to start a family, and I said, you know, it might be a good time to come back to Little Rock. So when I came back, I realized that there was a huge hole in this market for Tex-Mex food. And so I bought the building down on Main where Juanitas was, and, you know, back then— the Wilbur Mills Expressway stopped down at uh, where Martin Luther King is. That's where the expressway ended. So my friends said, Mark, you're crazy. Because I hadn't, I hadn't put together the South Main Improvement District. It was a rough area. There were winos. There were prostitutes. There were, you know, I walked, the first thing I stepped on when I walked in the building was a slug. I mean, a shell casing. And the floor of Juanitas was all dirt, no windows, and Winos had a full-blown fire going inside on the, on the ground. And you're <laughs> like, I'll take it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Sold! Ma- yeah, and, and, and good old Madison Guarantee, who was playing loose oh, yeah. free back in those days, I went down tra- thinking, man, I'll never get money to buy this building, but it's a perfect building for a Mexican restaurant. I w- they gave me the money for the build- buy the building to open the restaurant. It was just like... I couldn't believe it, and so That's, off we went. But you had to have some big guts to do that. All my all my friends, Jimmy Moses and Wally Allen, all these people who were active in business in Little Rock Times said, Mark, you're crazy. You're nuts. You're, you know, th- that's a horrible Just part of town. Just out of curiosity, you put your life on the line, your finance on the line. How much money did you borrow? 
Do you remember? Oh, gosh. At the time, it was probably, it doesn't sound like much now. Uh-huh. At the time, I think it was about three hundred fifty, four hundred. dollars That 000. sounds like a lot of money for a 28-year-old to borrow. Uh, yeah, I was 34, maybe. That's Still, a lot of was, money. Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, so I swallowed pretty hard on that. <laughs> you, I mean, you took a big risk. Over a quarter of a million dollars, you took a big risk into an underdeveloped area on a on a cuisine that had never been really tested here. That's why you're an entrepreneur and a successful one. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the super interesting chef Mark Abernathy, founder and idea man of many, many, many greater Little Rock amenities we all take for granted. His two current restaurants are the Red Door and Loca Luna. And at the bottom of the hour, we'll be taking calls. So listen and get your questions ready. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. If you would prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Mark Abernathy, current founder and chef of Local Luna and the Red Door Restaurants in Little Rock, Arkansas. At the break, we were having a good time. You people on Facebook that I said goodbye to, we were cutting it up, weren't we? I had the whole room laughing with my uh, vocabulary faux pas, which I didn't mean to do. I thought you were taking my advice. Oh, <laughs> I Tim. told Carrie to be meaner. To yeah, boost ratings. <laughs> oh, I know that was being meaner, wasn't it? It was. It was mean. Oh, yeah. You didn't think it was mean. Uh, you have done so much, and I'm not really sure where to begin. But at the break, you were talking about how you own this. You had two of those restaurants that we mentioned earlier. I think Abernathy's and how do you say the Bijou? The Bijou. Yeah. Were in San Antonio, and you are a musician. I don't even know what you play. What I do play, you play guitar and uh, I sing, and I had. Bands almost the whole time I was here. We had the the uh, the, Juanitas, tor- the yeah. torpedoes, and we were one of the original when we started the music program at Juanita's. So uh, it was originally just a little shotgun bar, and and we were the house band, and it was uh, ex members of the uh, Greasy Grains and myself and a and another guy, a guitar player Vinny DePilo from New York, who <laughs> was a great guitar player, and has, has since moved on to play with a lot of national acts. Anyway. And so we played in the in this little stage down at the end of the bar at Juanita's, and we used to tell people it was Tuesdays and every Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we there were literally people lined up all along the front and then down the street to get in, and I used to tell people we had them lined up out the door. They didn't realize that we only held about about eighty people in here, so <laughs> it wasn't quite like it sounded. But that that started the music program at Juanita's, and of course then a, a, about a. a Eight or nine months after we started that, I, I owned the space next door. We had a little gift shop there called Quapaw Gallery, and mm-hmm. and uh, I blew the wall out and took over that, and we opened what became the, the Juanita's Ballroom and Music Program there. Oh, I get you. 
I was thinking it was the other way around. You're right. You opened up at the corner, and then you moved down the street with the secondary. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the restaurant Sorry for was the open on the corner, and then we And then had, you moved down, you we, bought the building next door. We, we, we expanded into the building next door to create the music program. The music and, pro. and in, in the Bijou, which was in San Antonio, did you use your, you were, that was a music venue. It was a music bistro. venue. I had an, another restaurant going, but my heart was always in playing music. I played in bands in high school, played in bands in college, and, and so I've always been connected with music and so i opened what was called a listening room in san antonio which was a small venue where acts could come in and do more acoustic stuff and things like that and we had a rule where you couldn't talk when the music was playing and, and we would actually enforce it so it was a great place to hear music you can imagine and being in a small venue where people actually had to be quiet and after a while the customers would police each other i mean they'd say you yeah, know somebody start talking to what happened to that restaurant or, uh, or- my part is crazy about three years it was real successful about three years later my partner came in and said i'm sorry but we've lost the vision and i said what we lost the he lost it in a poker game what i swear <laughs> i said what you lost it how could you lose my part in the poker game he said well there's something i didn't tell you so anyway it was one of those things and you know i, I do you just that's one of those life lessons you learn about having better so anyway oh but we had great nights there willie would come in a lot down there and one night and and he reminded me about six years ago that i was reminded of one day willie was sitting at the bar and there's an act from austin called blind george mclean and blind george would sit at an upright piano he had a board with the mic under it and he'd stomp on that board play piano and he didn't wear sunglasses he turned around his eyes were just like wild crazy eyes and they're spinning around and he'd spit a lot to them so he was something to see but he was fantastic talent and Willie and I were sitting at the bar, and they took a break, and he went outside, and this guy came running and said, you're not going to believe this. You've got to come out in the alley. So we went out in the alley, and Willie said, do you remember? We went out in the alley, and there was blind Jordan in a fight with his blind brother, and he said, well, they fought for 30 minutes and never landed a punch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was great. It, it, there were great stories and a lot I really can't tell. But uh, well, those are great but, ones. Yeah, Big Carol brought in a pan of special brownies one night, and we all kept nibbling on those things. <laughs> Who's and that? My, and this, was big, this was one of our foods, our waitresses who oh. was an ex Vegas showgirl. She's about six feet tall and had a diamond embedded in her tooth and had quite the uh, showgirl body and. But was hard to go. She was, so she brought these special brownies in, which, as I said, we kept nibbling on medicinal brownies. <laughs> and uh, so by the time we were ready to open, the entire staff were comatose. So we had to shut down, give everybody their money back, apologize, pay off the band, and go home. Because you just couldn't <laughs> function. You, oh, yeah. I mean, the food server would like, come up to the bar and said, uh, I need a, uh, uh, let's, um, uh, uh, just a minute. <laughs> and she told me, I need I need two buds and a Bud Light, and the bartender would go, "Oh man, what what? Huh?" <laughs> so we knew it was. It, we had, had to shut uh, it down. Uh, 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 it work. Oh my gosh, you've got such good stories. <laughs> <laughs>
But anyway. Those are fun. Those You just can't make that stuff up. But we had incredible music. Stones came in there, and uh, Linda Ronscat came in there, and the Led Zeppelin came in there. Just, uh, you know, when they were in town for their shows, that's where a lot of times they, they'd end up hanging is, out. Is it still a business down there? No, it's long gone. Long gone. The Abernathy's, was that in San Antonio, too? It was in San Antonio. What was that? It was a Is that French, what you had to start after you lost the other actually, one in the poker it game? It was actually a French restaurant, which what? was fantastic. It was really good. It was, it, this is back in the 70s, you got to remember. And uh, uh, it was really good, and I, I lost my ass on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, uh, it was, But it was a fabulous restaurant. And I've always said that I wouldn't be successful today if it wasn't for my failures. Mm-hmm. It wasn't my successes that made it all work, because you learn – so much more from your failures those are the big lessons that that really help you move forward and i don't i don't know hardly any businessman that didn't stumble somewhere along the way mm-hmm. and in uh, making it what if you wanted to start a restaurant today how did you always start your restaurants did you ha- you didn't have family money no um well the sba helped back then uh to get when i got the 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 uh loan for Juanitas, we got an SBA guarantee, which, which allowed a starting entrepreneur like me to really leverage what... Uh, uh, did Juanitas come first, or did the Bijou and Abernathy's well, the Bijou come? and Abernathy's were first. That was before, and that was when I was in San Antonio, and I, I had uh, closed those, and so, or sold them, or moved on, and so... Or lost in a poker game. Yeah, or lost in a poker game. <laughs> and uh, so when I came back here, actually, I came moved back to Little Rock as an executive for the Boy Scouts, which is a little different story. But wow. Yeah, I had I worked for them for a while and absolutely loved it, but I wanted to get back in the in the uh, restaurant business and and so um, while I was working for the Scouts for the Scouts here, I put a deal together, and that's what really was my intention because I saw such a hole in this market for Mexican food, and, and so, it turned out to be right. So, how did you start your restaurants? You bought down in down in San Antonio. How would you? How'd you get the money? Or did you just find? Or did you partner with somebody who I had money? Yeah, I partnered with. with so, if you want to open up a restaurant, we had the guy from Dugan's. We had Dugan in here, and he said he partnered with a re- with a guy who had money, and then ended up. I think he said he ended up buying his partner out when his partner wanted. Mm-hmm. Do you? What do you think about partnering with restaurant in the restaurant business? If I, the, if you read your big, contract the biggest, and the guy uh, doesn't lose it, other than who you decide to marry, I would say the biggest decision <laughs> that you're going to make if you're going to be a businessman is who you're going to get in bed with there, who's going to be your partner because it can work both ways. It can make you miserable. It can uh, make you uh, successful. Do you do fifty fifty? Uh, it depends. You know, all deals are different. I mean, I, I have a partner in, in Local Luna and Red Door who's been my partner since the very beginning. He's a he's a guy I went to high school with, and I, there's not a better part. I can't imagine a better partner because he had he had the financial, the additional financial strength that I needed, uh, and he had the sense to say, okay, well, this is, I mean, it's, it's going to sink or swim on your talents, not mine. I mean, I'm I'm a surgeon. So, uh, and he's been that way all along. He was always, he was there early every time I needed him. And there's probably a number of times I could have bought him out or this or that, but it, you know, he's, we're still partners and still best. Is there something that makes you know what, how do you know when you've got a good partner or when you don't? Who, in this case, 
you know, part of it was luck, but I also knew him as a as a person, and I think you want to really think about who. Not just do they have the money or the ability to help you. Who is the person behind that face? Is he a good man? Is he a, is he a honorable? Uh, I have no trouble dealing with a handshake from my standpoint, but it's a foolish thing to do in this business climate because circumstances change and people change. But uh, but I I think you can find out and feel like that you're dealing with somebody who's honest and honorable, and, uh, and it's trust. And then you just trustworthy. Trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had someone tell me one time over breakfast: never go into business unless you own the fifty-one percent. I think that's good advice if you're going to do all the work. Now, if he's taking all the risk, then you know, and you don't have much at stake, then I don't think that's necessary can apply because. You know, shoot, I wouldn't do that. What about three people? Have you ever done a three-way? Oh, yeah, I've had, I, uh, when I opened uh, Benavita, the Italian <laughs> restaurant, we had a, we had a five-way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, uh, and they, and, but they were all friends of mine. And they were, they were college friends and, and uh, people that I knew. And I, same, same exact thing. I knew them as honorable men, and uh, they knew me. And respected me as an honorable man. Mm-hmm. And so we if you start off with that kind of relationship, and I think that's the same thing in a marriage or anything else. If you start mm-hmm. off with the right foundation, you got a better chance. And uh, so when Benavita, it did okay. It never made much money. And so I just, when I converted it to Red Door, I said, you know what? I think Red Door will make more money. And not that Benavita never, never lost money, but it just wasn't. I said, this is a great location. I, I think we can change the format, and it really worked. It worked great, and so it's uh, it's been much more profitable. What did Benavita sell? Uh, was it Italian? Isn't that what the Red Door is? No, no. What do you think the Red Door is? It's got pasta on the menu. Well, it does. But Red Door is kind of like local Luna. We call it Nouveau Schizophrenic. <laughs> Which means everything. Yeah, it's everything, and it's whatever. Well, this sounds good. Let's put this on the menu, and uh, you know, I think people will eat this, and that's what goes on the menu. And we do a good job of it if we if we decide to put it on there. And of course, Red Door has really developed a fabulous reputation of the best brunch in town. I mean, it is a brunch mecca, and on Saturday and Sunday, especially, you can't get in the door. So, uh, I mean, every Saturday and Sunday, it is full. That's nice. Yeah, it is nice. What What do you think makes a good restaurant? What's the one thing that makes people? Do you think you have to have a signature dish? Why Why would that? Why did Benavita not work and the Red Door did work? What What was the difference? Benavita the, didn't work because just Little Rock's not a good Italian market. Think about it. Well, Bruno's does great. Well, it. But yeah, no, there are exceptions, and we did. I said Benavita did okay too, but. It just, it's not a very good, like you go to St. Louis and there's Italian restaurants everywhere and they all do great. It's a bit, it's a good market for Italian food. Little Rock has just never been a place where you, you know, when you think, oh, where are these, look, think of all the great Italian restaurants. You don't get much further than, than uh, Bruno's and um, graffiti's. Uh, graffitis. I mean, there's, there's, you can count them on one hand. Yeah. So you decided to do this uh, schizophrenic, nouveau schizophrenic food. Yeah, it's, it works great. Okay, I told at the beginning of the thing that you invent, you brought cheese dip to America. Oh yeah. All right, we got to hear the cheese dip to America story. 
Okay. Uh, well, as, as you know, white Mex- cheese dip. Well, Mexico uh, cheese dip was this Arkansas phenomenon that we all grew up with. I don't I mean, think everybody realizes that. No, when you grew up in in Arkansas, especially Little Rock, when you it was Central Arkansas, really, mm-hmm. not even Arkansas. If you grew up in Little Rock, North Little Rock, North Little Rock, Central, you went to a Mexican restaurant, brownies, Mexican taquito, whatever. You always got cheese dip. It was a rite of passage. You you ate it. You, you, and it was a big part of any Mexican meal. It was automatic. So when I left Little Rock, I expected to find it, especially in San Antonio. It didn't exist. Really? Not even no. going Tex-Mex mm-hmm. didn't even go down nope, there? Nope, nope, nope. Wow. In fact, they had, they had the closest thing was a dish they called uh, uh, chili con queso. Yeah. And it's not chili like, and I had a guy argue with me, chili con queso, let's, let's red chili with cheese in it that's not it's chili con queso meant that it was cheese with chilies in it like like jalapenos and uh and our grain chilies and that kind of thing so and it would be served on usually just poured over tortilla and that was in very very few restaurants in san antonio but outside of that you never found it in dallas or anywhere else it just was a little rock phenomenon so there was one other exception and that was rotel yeah that Rotel took off in South Texas, and that was putting the Rotel in Vel- Velveeta. And so that really took cheese dip out of Little Rock and spread it into kind of the southern, some of the southern Texas and that area. Then um, it just started growing and started growing. And so when I came back and opened Juanita's, my partner, one of my partners, Frank McGee, who is Scott McGee, local restaurateur, it's his oh, dad. Yeah. yeah, it's his dad. Frank was an insurance salesman, very talented with food, really good with food, and was a tremendous help. And we worked together in developing the recipes and stuff. And so uh, we knew that we needed a really good... We needed to, raise, in our opinion, raise the bar on cheese dip. Which so we created that Juanita's yellow cheese dip, and everybody went crazy over it and loved it. So then, when we decided to open Blue Mesa Grill, about a year or two before we opened it, they came out with a white smooth melt cheese, and there is no such thing as yellow as yellow cheese. They yeah. add food coloring. To yeah, it. all cheese is white. Milk's white. Cows don't give yellow milk. So. <laughs> You know, it's all, I don't think everybody knows that. No, but all all every all cheddar everything is all has coloring that makes it that color. And I don't even know why they do that. Well, uh, there's white cheddar out there, obviously. Yeah. So it just hadn't been colored. So well, same thing. We one of the key ingredients of our cheese dip was it was a smooth melt cheese, not Velveeta, which is not even real cheese. It's right. a vegetable product, and so. We had a real smooth melt cheese, and they came out with a white one. So we said, okay, now we can make a white cheese dip that really has good ingredients. But we added different ingredients to it, like New Mexican green chilies and some other things, even a little spinach, some few things that that we put in there that made it unique. And to our knowledge, that was the first white cheese dip created in the United States. But now... It's it's all over the Southwest, and, and nearly, it really spreading over the United States. You can find cheese dip, and most of it's white now. 
You can find cheese dip everywhere yeah. now. Yeah. One time when I was in New York City, when they unveiled, when they uh, repaired the Statue of Liberty, what, what was that, 1980-something, and I was up there for the unveiling of the new refurbished Statue of Liberty, I wanted to go and eat with a friend of mine who lived up there, and she was, and I thought we were going to get this great pizza or this great Italian food or some cuisine from New York City up there, and she said, oh, there's a new restaurant in town. I've got to take you to it. I've got to take you to it. And I was like, okay. And she wouldn't tell me what it was. And she wouldn't tell me what it was. We walked blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks. And we finally got there. It was a Mexican restaurant that had just opened in New York City. And they had cheese there. They kept saying, what's this chili con queasy? <laughs> I had to pronounce everything. I was so mad the whole time. I was like, chili con queso. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It's everywhere mm. now. They had cheese dip in New York, and she thought it was the coolest thing that had ever happened. So it is a culinary claim to fame for Little Rock uh, to be the cheese dip capital of the world. So the white cheese dip is nothing but uncolored cheddar cheese. Yes, basically. I had no idea. And there's even got chili dip contests. Are you part of that? We no. have a Little Rock chili dip contest. Yes. Uh, not chili, chili dip, cheese chili, dip, cheese cheese dip, dip. contest. We, I, we have never participated in that. And, uh, I guess maybe we should, but we just never figured we had anything That's to how much everybody loves <laughs> cheese dip, though. Yeah. But that's how much everybody loves cheese oh, dip. I know. It's a che- there's a cheese dip contest. The world championship cheese dip contest is here. Yeah. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the super interesting chef Mark Abernathy, whose current restaurants are Local Luna and the Red Door in Little Rock, Arkansas. And with most entrepreneurs, he has had his share of ups and downs. Let's listen as he shares what he has learned when we come back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you miss any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagmanner.com's website. If you would prefer to listen to iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links there as well. Lots of listening opportunities. We'll be right back with a phone number for calling in. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast a year and a half ago with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversation and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life, mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I am Adrian McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Taborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old-school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open to the public Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Mark Abernathy, current founder and chef of Loco Luna and the Red Door Restaurants in Little Rock, Arkansas. So not everything that you... Yeah, we were telling some great stories at the break. Uh, you should put all of that on Facebook so everybody can watch, but we don't. Not everything you have done, Mark, has been successful. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 
you were talking about that earlier that you've learned almost oh, gotcha. more from your failures than you have from your successes and that's not just true in business like that i think that's true in everything in life it's like sometimes it's the bottom it's where you bottom out where you learn the most and then you get to go back up to the top with the knowledge that you learned from being on the bottom so let's talk what yeah i tell people my restaurant all the time my employees i say see you know um when I come in, and I'm always looking for things that we're doing wrong, and and I, but I usually tell them, so you know, it's not that I'm, that I'm not giving you credit for the things you do right because you do so many things right, but it's not the things you do right that get you. So you you got to focus on the things that you've done wrong or that you're doing wrong because that's that's what you got to fix. And and if you're doing if you don't if everything's successful and running good, then that's not going to teach you much. It's, but when you screw up and you trip up and you say, oh, well, I don't think I'll do that again. Or why did that happen? And so it lays the groundwork for you to do a better job next time if you pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So if you're doing everything right, you're not going to learn much. When I, when I learned the first time I went to learn to ski, mm-hmm. and I was pretty athletic, and I thought, shoot, this is a piece of cake. That's not going to be a problem. I got on those skis. I was falling all over the place, and I was real frustrated. And so I went back to my ski instructor and said, what's the deal, man? I'm falling all over the place. I said, you need to understand, if you're not falling, you're not learning. Oh, if you're not falling, you're not learning. Oh, that's <laughs> a tweetable one right there. And I thought, well, okay. So I felt better, and I kept falling until I learned, and I got to be pretty good after that you're not falling you're not learning i love that mm-hmm. let's talk about august in arkansas oh, a lot of yeah. people don't remember what that was but you tried to put on a uh festival in august in arkansas and i thought that was the craziest thing because yep. it was such a hot but you picked that weekend to do it, which was the first weekend in august because you said in past history i remember this you telling me this i said i saw you in, i saw you in the grocery store i said why would you pick that day and you said because Historically speaking, we have had a cool snap every first week of every August. It's crazy. We we got out the almanac and we went back a num year way back year after year after year, and we found that there was this weird inversion that took place around the first part of August. And you you think think well August is the miserable. It's horrible. But I mean, if you pull it up, look, it's weird. And so uh, we picked that that weekend in august because historically it was one of the cooler weekends of the summer and there wasn't anything going on and and uh we felt like that arkansas needed a festival kind of like memphis in may that was truly grand and and uh so we put this thing together and that's where my quote it's a dangerous thing when you believe your own bs you know so uh uh and the and the i guess the short story about it is that you we did. We thought we did everything right, and we really did so many things right. This was a huge festival, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was the number one music festival in the United States behind Jazz Fest that year, ranked, ranked, ranked by Polestar as far as the quality of the acts. And I mean, it was all, I mean, it was Ringo Starr and the All Star Band. It was all these huge acts that were on tour that summer, and uh, so. <laughs> What we didn't figure was the worst case scenario, but you have to, that was the biggest lesson I learned was always figure out what's the worst that can happen and can you handle that? Because dang, if it might not happen. Well, guess what happens? Okay, we have this festival and most festivals, especially in the summer, you make your money off of soft drink, beer sales, and t-shirts. 
That's where your money is. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. That's, that's where you have to make your money because you don't the ticket sales might barely cover the cost of your acts, but it doesn't cover all the hundreds of thousands of dollars of staging and the, and the security and the ticket printing and all of that stuff. So <laughs> it not only turned cool, it was, rec- it was the coldest weekend in the history of the state of Arkansas for August. People were freezing they they were had to go home they had to come down in sweatshirts we they were seeking out coffee we couldn't sell beer we couldn't sell t-shirts it was a financial disaster i lost my ass on that deal and and uh but i I will say this i will too i mean i was and, and that's my biggest regret was not doing the festival but not figuring out the downside and what would you have done different I think I would have scaled it back. I would have put it was too grand. It was it was on both sides of the river. It was like six stages. It was and we had uh, don't get me wrong, we had over 100,000 people came. And still it lost a lot of money. How much you know, how many did you need? Well, well, you just needed to sell beer just, and tickets. Just, you needed to sell beer. I would have just scaled it back so that we could have handled the downside with our sponsorships because we had lots of corporate sponsors. It just could have been done differently, and they put it on the next year, and they lost money then too. So they decided not to do it. But, but, but the only regret I have, I had some friends that got involved with it, and they lost some personal money along with me. Not a fraction of what I lost, but, but some folks that that invested because of me. And uh, my accountant said, "Mark, you've got to take bankruptcy. You've got to take bankruptcy because." Um, there's a, another story goes along with it real quick because is since it's business you're gonna love this one okay, okay. anyway so I, I didn't take bankruptcy it took me years and years to pay off uh the people that i gave a personal guarantee to but i paid off every one of them and uh, uh but as i said that's part of that lesson that you learn you you, you have to buy you, you have to own it when you screw up you, you need to own it and uh, because if you don't then you're you're kidding yourself and you know that's the last person you want to kid. So anyway, it I, it was at the same time that I had my face on the cover of Arkansas Business for just losing my ass <laughs> on this event. I get to, I hadn't been in my office for about two or three weeks. I walk in, I have this huge stack of mail, and I see this envelope from the Reser- Resolution Trust, which was the federal agency that was that had seized Madison Guarantee. And they had all my loans. And the letter said, your loans are called. So it would be like if you got a letter in the mail today and it said, you got to pay off your house right now. Right. you got to refinance it or pay off your house. Well, if it had been two weeks or three weeks prior to the festival, I could have walked into any bank in the city of Little Rock and they would have thrown the money at me. Right. They would have loved to have that loan because our payment history was absolutely flawless. We had never missed a payment, not one thing. But because my face was associated with the, the loss and potential losses down the line or whoever knew or what. I couldn't, I couldn't find a bank that would, Even that would help me. So um, What happened? Um, well, I ended up making some deals, selling some more of my business to my partners. And doing Which business were you in this, then? This was Juanita's. And all the re- I owned all that real estate down there, too, not just Juanita's, but the lots all around it and the restaurants. And, and some of it on 100%. Some, so I ended up selling off some of that but 
<laughs> but it, I got He's this, laughing. Well, because it brings back some funny stuff. I got get this phone call at May Horn, who had Horn's Men's Store. She was an interesting woman, and she talked like this. A little woman, and she talked like this. So May Horn. She dressed all the best dressed, dressed all men. The best, all the best dressed men. <laughs> that was her slogan so for everybody this, that didn't grow I up get here. get this phone call. <laughs> May, May Horn's like, Mark, I, I got it. I got a guy in here. He's buying a bunch of suits with your credit card. <gasps> and this uh, uh, gentleman was in there, and uh, he apparently I'd gotten hold of a credit card receipt out of the trash or somewhere. I'd paid off some somebody at the festival. Turns out he was. And right after I hung up with her, uh, Linus Rains from from Excelsior Hotel said, "Mark, do you know there's a guy up in the in the presidential suite? He's run up this huge bill. He claims he's one of your reggae acts." <laughs> I said, no, we don't have a reggae accident on the Excelsior. So it, it just, all this was all happening in the same afternoon. You're like, what's wrong with my karma? This, it was like, and I just, I just sat back and I just started laughing. I said, okay, it can't, it, they, they can't eat you. They can't kill you. You just gotta. <laughs> And so, you know, if you can ride through that, you can ride through anything. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so they the bank called your note. The guy's in the Excelsior with yeah. the credit card that he's charging up uh-huh. the, the presidential suite. And another guy's at Mayhorn's buying suits. Yeah. And you're selling off your real estate to pay your, to pay your debt. And you're on the cover of Arkansas Business for loser of the week yeah that's right that's right <laughs> whoa and you're laughing look at him y'all he's laughing wow well, you know you that, i think the point is you you come out the other side of those well, you got to tell us how you came out the other side well um i think you just realize it the other thing that, that was super important that you realize after that that what's really important and one you realize that you can get back up, get back on the horse, and just stick with the basis, and you, you can be successful again. The same formula that you used for success before will work again. Just As I said, just don't start believing your own bull- BS. <laughs> just uh, do, a little, do your homework a little bit better and, and cover the downside. And so I was able to... Uh, did you sell Juanitas? I did. Not right then. I sold it. We had we had also had Blue Mesa Grill going, which was... You already had Blue Mesa Blue going? Blue Mesa was going. It was successful and doing well. And, so did and you sell everything to pay off your debt? I, that was part of the deal. The, the, I, I didn't really have to do that. All that kind of took place earlier on. What do you mean? You well, sold it all earlier? No, no. I decided to sell it. Part Part of it was to... Mainly it was to move on. I wanted to... I wasn't really happy with my current state of affairs uh, in terms of my partners and how the business was going. I just I felt like it was time to go do my own thing, and so I moved on, and that's when I went and opened Local Luna. And Juanita's moved down to the River Market. That was much later, and I, I kind of, you know, when you when you have a, it's kind of watching your kid uh, that you felt so good about it, not end up not doing so good and so I, I, after I left I owned Juanita's for the first 10 years and through all the heyday of the music time and all of that and, and so it kind of I hated to see it eventually bite the dust and and I thought oh, there were a lot of bad decisions made along the way and uh, I went yeah 
but you, you know you got to cut the cord move on and, mm-hmm. and well you got a great business going now I, do, uh, I, do. I i was with you on the on uh on what was it like maybe midday and you were cooking and i was talking about mm-hmm. the flag business and you were oh, cooking yeah. for your restaurant and you were leaving that day to go and cook for the kentucky derby yes yes yeah and I, I, I don't think i've seen you since then Wow. Yeah, that was a couple of years ago. I, I really don't think I've, I've seen... had so many wonderful experiences outside of Arkansas that people here don't even know about that uh, that my cooking uh, and restaurant career has let me let me do. And I've cooked for presidents and I've cooked in uh, Kentucky derbies and I've cooked in real high profile food. I think you were doing a bar- I think you were doing a barbecue for the Kentucky Derby. What'd you do for the Kentucky Derby? I did. I've done I've done it several times and it's an event called Taste the Derby where they pick a chef from each of the from a state or a city that hosts one of the key uh racing. So I represented Oakland. Okay. At, oh, okay. And cuz Arkansas, the Oakland Park is a, a major player and uh and feeding the horses that qualify for the uh, Kentucky Derby. And so that was my connection, uh, was to represent Oakland. In Hot Springs, Arkansas. In, in Hot Springs. And uh, Oakland is Arkansas. I mean, we, we, we claim it. It's, it's not just Hot Springs. That's our, that's our uh, baby. That's mm-hmm. the Arkansas uh, racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they have – they had – some high-profile chefs from other tracks around the country. We fed 3,000, 4,000 people. What would you feed them? Uh, I've said different things. Uh, last, the, the one you're talking about, I had a pork belly that I served over a uh, some uh, Warrigal Stone Ground Cheese Grits with a kind of a muscadine, uh, spicy muscadine glaze. It was fan- fantastic. It was a big hit, too. Oh, um, wow. That sounds great so what's next mark uh you know i've been involved uh, I'm, I'm on the founders council it's one of the original on the original founders council group for the atlanta food and wine festival so uh i've been doing that now we're going into our seventh year and that it, is atlanta georgia atlanta georgia turn, and what is it again say it it's again? the atlanta food and wine festival it's turned into the largest southern themed food and wine festival in the country it's huge now and um last year i took some chefs from Little Rock I took uh, Craig Rains and, and Matt Bell f- and uh, and then Rob Nelson from Fayetteville and I organized a group to go to uh, to Atlanta and represent uh, Arkansas for in a couple of VIP events and we had all the food press from all over the country was there and we really kicked their butts I have to tell you we did I was so proud of those guys we did great we really did good and uh, so right now, I'm kind of I'm I'm not working as hard, but I still love what I'm doing. Um, no retiring. No, it's I, I love Willie Nelson. They interviewed him uh, about a year or so. Ago. And I saw him on Sunday morning in that program. I said, Willie, when are you going to retire? And he said, Well, I play golf and a little music. What do you want me to stop? <laughs> so. You know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I go in, I eat free, I drink free, get to hang out with my friends, and I get a check. So, <laughs> you know, and I still work, but not as hard because I want to. I want to still love it, and I want to still not. You know, so so I've worked hard to get where I am. I want to enjoy it. So, where did the name Loco Loca Luna come from? Is that like a crazy moon? What does Loca Luna mean? It means it means a crazy moon, but actually, if it was correct Spanish, it would be Luna Loca. But it means crazy moon. It just the alliteration seemed to work better. 
Loca Luna than Luna Loca. But it, it, well, I, I don't know where it came from. It just popped up. Said that sounds like a fun name. It's kind of like Red Door. I mean, where did that? That's, well, that's biblical, isn't it? Well, no. I mean, parts. It just I don't know. It just said, well, let's just call it Red Door. Part of that had to do with I had this really incredible Red Door that hangs over the bar now, that was hanging over our mantle in our home over our fireplace and it's so cool looking and i i just i think one day i was looking at this man i'll just call the restaurant red door and and my wife looked at me and i looked over at her and she said uh-uh no way no way no way i said no we can take that door and we can hang it over the bar <laughs> she said not on your life it'll never happen of course it's hanging over the bar <laughs> <laughs> and she's still not too happy about give it give us one word to sum you up and we got to go Oh, God, passionate, I guess. That's like, that is absolutely true about you. Yep, look, Tim's nodding. Absolutely. I'd say fun-loving. Hell yeah, hell yeah. You so laugh. red door has nothing to do with paint it black. No, not a thing. I see a red door and I want to paint it. No, I uh, that's what I, I thought it was this whole time. I never about that before. I can't believe Start telling people that. that's what it is. That's where it came from. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Look what you're getting. A desk set with a U.S. and an Arkansas flag from the flag lady. Yeah. I bet you don't have one of those. I don't, and I'm so proud of you, Carrie. Oh, you're you so are, nice. You are a treasure for this city. Well, that is nice. Thank you. Likewise. Very likewise. Oh, yes, and we got you a book, too, The Temple of Dreams. It's all about the building you sold me. You we did the history on the building, and now you're going to learn all about it. They were going to tear that building down, by gosh. I, you've and done we, so much for this city. No, we didn't let them. We did not. It will be. We're going to put it. On our tombstone, it's our claim to fame. We saved the Taborian Hall. All right, if you've got a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info too. Questions at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to hear this program again, next week, go to flagandbanner.com, click the tab labeled Radio Show, and there you'll find a podcast with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal, to help you live the American dream. <laughs>